All right. Hey, good morning to everyone, and um, good to worship together. I want to uh, welcome back our those who went to the Young Adults Retreat and just got back, and um, hopefully you had a blessed time, and we're excited to have um, worship together with our youth group today, and uh, just a lot of good things going on. Um, today, we look at this topic of faithfulness. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the descriptions of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And when we think of the word faithfulness, um, we don't think of something exciting or spectacular um, or, man, something that is really just eye-popping, but it's something that seems kind of boring, something that's just there, something that um, we don't gravitate towards, faithfulness. There was a movie, uh, man, Forrest Gump, right? It's a it's already been over 20 years since that movie came out. But uh, Forrest Gump is a movie that Tom Hanks plays the role of Forrest Gump. And as you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Because he plays the role of this guy who is, um, I'd just say he's, he's dumb. He's not, he's not smart. He's born with um, physical disabilities. He can't walk and run correctly when he's first born. Um, he only has a mom. He doesn't have a dad. Um, and he can't even speak correctly. And that's kind of his life, and he's born this way. So you would think, what, what is so appealing about that? But the one thing I think that's about him that's so appealing is this idea of the, someone who is down and out, who doesn't have much, is running with faithfulness, is living life with faithfulness. And that's the appeal of this, right? And so when he plays ping pong, he plays with faithfulness, and he, he becomes the best ever. And when he runs, he keeps running to the point that people, hundreds of people start running and following him, thinking he's running for a cause. And when he goes and catches shrimp, he catches the most shrimp and he succeeds. And his whole life story, he encounters different people. And along the way, he is faithful towards those people. He's faithful towards his mom. He's faithful towards his uh, childhood sweetheart, Jenny, who he later marries at the end of her life. He's faithful towards his friends he meets in the service, Lieutenant Dan and um, Bubba, who they started the shrimp company with. And uh, he's just faithful in swing. There's a scene at the end, of, towards the latter part of the movie, he comes back to visit his mom, and she is in her deathbed. And uh, she says to him um, at the end of her life, he says, you have to do the best with what God gave you. You have to do the best with, God, with what God gave you. And the next scene is he is burying his mother. That line there is really, um, though it's told at the end, is really kind of the story of this uh, Forrest Gump, what Tom Hanks uh, plays, the character. It's really his life. He doesn't have much, but he does his best. Um, he's not the most talented, but he tries really hard. He doesn't have too many friends, but the few friends he's met along the times, along his life, he is faithful to them. And so we see this attraction to faithfulness. There's a beauty to faithfulness. We, we, we get captivated because there's something about that we all long for. Think about your closest friends. You, your closest friends, you want the ones who are faithful, who is always there, who is there when things are tough, who is who's there when you make mistakes, who is always there for you. When you think about a parent, uh, you don't want a dad that shows up on Christmas or on just on birthdays with a big gift and is gone, but you want someone who is there all the time. You think about someone at work, you want someone who shows up, who clocks in and clocks out, and does their work and gets it done. You think about those things. 
We say faithfulness is very important. Faithfulness is key in life. And the Bible describes it as a fruit that bears in our life. It means that it's one of the characteristics that we will develop along the years as we walk with Christ. We become more faithful. I think about um, all the people at our church who have been faithfully serving, faithfully giving, faithfully praying among, along these last eight years. And really, it's, it's that that sustains and grows the church. Um, there's people that come. There's people that go. There's people that are excited at one point, and then they lose all their faith at the next point. There's people that are on stage in the spotlight, and they disappear out of sight. What really matters is someone who is faithful. The Bible says in this story, um, in verse 30, he says that the, the servant who does nothing is, is worthless. So the opposite of faithfulness is someone who's worthless. You know, there's some definitions I want to highlight here about this word faithfulness. Jerry Bridges, uh, one of my favorite authors, says the word faithfulness means one who is dependable, trustworthy, loyal. Uh, Tim Keller says that the opposite of faithfulness is an opportunist. When it feels good, when I feel like it, uh, when that person is there and it happened to fit my schedule, the opportunist is the opposite of the faithful one. So faithfulness is not just succeeding once, not just doing it once, but faithfulness is doing it over and over and over and over again. It's going to God in prayer over and over and over again. It's serving the Lord over and over and over again. It's not something, boy, I did back in 2007 and that's it. It's not something I did when I was a teenager and I'm done with this. The faithful man of God, the faithful woman of God, walks with the Lord, and it's something that's done over and over and over and over again. Faithfulness. We want to look at this story. It's a great story. It's a fearful story. The whole section here in the context is about the return of the master, right? The return in the previous story, the return of the uh, bridegroom, the return, like being ready being prepared. I don't think that you could live life as if God doesn't exist. Be ready. And here in this story, there's three, uh, there's a, a master and three servants. And they're given each a talent, the Bible says. One is given five, one is given two, one is given one. A talent doesn't mean that they're given like talents, like, oh, you, he could sing and he could dance and she could, no, that, it's, we often think it's like my talents, like America's got talent kind of thing. No, what talent was, a, a talent was the largest unit of measurement. So the word talent meant a bunch of, a big amount of. One commentator says that this, this talent here uh, would equate to something in our day and age value of about one talent would equate $250,000. And that was his guess, guesstimate. So the five talents is not just given, oh, a lot of abilities. No, he's given money, gold or whatever it is. A million and a quarter. The second one's given a half a million's worth. And the third one is given a quarter of a million dollars worth of stuff. And says, do with it what you will. And so we see that here. Faithfulness, and I, I want to define it in four parts. And the first part is, is to be entrusted with something by someone else, right? If I'm going to be faithful towards that person, that means they've entrusted me with something. Uh, they've entrusted me with these things. Um, 
It says here in verse 14 in, your, in the passage that we read, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them what his property. So it wasn't given to them, it was entrusted to them. It was handed, it was lended over to them. When I was 16 years old, uh, I had a friend whose dad was into fancy cars. And one of the cars he had was, I, I remember this is the first time it came out, uh, was an Acura Legend. And it was like $22,000 or something like that, right? Which is probably now like $50,000, right? But I remember he had this car. And his dad would go on a business trip, so he'd invite me over. Come sleep over. You know, my dad's gone. And um, we'd be so excited because we would take that car for a joyride. He was 15, I was 16, and then we would just go. Like, we would go on the freeway and go drive around, and we were so excited. And then um, when we would park the car, I mean, we would make sure that it was parked in the exact same spot, that the chairs were back, and we would try to make sure that it was all set up exactly how it was. Um, and because, you know, we were kind of taking it out behind his back. I mean, this, it's kind of the idea of being entrusted that it's someone else's property is given. And so in this picture, it's not like he says, here, here's this money, go do as you please. He says, you're entrusted with these valuable things. Now let me ask you, what is the most valuable things in your life? Right, youth group guys, what's the most valuable thing that's so important? Right? All of us here, what's the most important thing? Oh man, my family's valuable. Um, you know, some of you, your, your health and your abilities and you cling to those things, the money that you've made, or maybe you bought a house recently, the house you bought, or whatever it is that you possess. The valuable things, the most valuable things, are things that are ultimately God's. And God says here, you could have it for a while. Do what you will with these things. So it's not mine to go and do as I please. I have to go before God and say, God, how do you want me to use this? God, how do you want me to raise this child? God, how do you want me to act at school? God, what do you want me to do when I go to work? All of the things that we think are so important are entrusted to us. You know, it's so much so that the psalmist in Psalm 24.1 says, to get this point across, that the, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, every little thing in it is God's. Because we often make the mistake of thinking, well, all that stuff is mine. I can do as I please. I own it. I possess it. It's my life. It's my body. I'll do what I want. No, even my body is the Lord's. And so what he's saying is, it's all the Lord's. It's entrusted to him. We have to understand this. The second part of being faithful is this idea of responsibility. Right? Responsibility, a combination of two words, the ability to respond. Responsibility, the ability to act. The ability to take action. Now that I have this, what should I do? And this is where many of us in our faith get stuck. We have things. We possess things. We're grateful for it. Thanksgiving Day, we're thanking God for those things. We come to church and we pray and we say thank you for these things. But it's not good enough. It's what are you going to do with this? How will you serve him? How will you help others through this? Uh, verse 16 is interesting, right? The guy that... Uh, receive the five talents as described. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. There's a little phrase there, went at once. He acted immediately. He served right away in this way. He gave and he responded. 
What are you good at? What are you going to do? Maybe God has prompted you that you needed to go do something. You need to change the way you worship. You need to go and approach that, that new kid at school that no one's talking to, and you need to go and talk to them. You need to go and share the love of Christ with them. You need to go do this for your sibling. You need to go do this, do something for the church. What is it? And now the question is, is not just thinking about it, being grateful for it, but how do we act upon this? What do we do about this? There's a pastor named Bill Hybels in Chicago. He tells a story, and he has a huge church, um, tens of thousands of people. And one of the members that attends his church is uh, Mike Singletary. Mike Singletary was a football player on the Chicago Bears. He played middle linebacker. And uh, some of you obviously know him. But he was known as the meanest guy in all of football during his era. Even as a coach, he was like one of the meanest guys when he coached the 49ers. And so he would coach. Or he was playing at the time. And so everyone feared him. You know, all the, even big football players all feared him. He was really a scary guy. And uh, one day he responded at church. And he's a man of faith, a uh, great faith. And he responded to a message that they gave about serving and using your gifts to serve and so on. And so he said, I'm going to go do something. And the next Sunday, you know, uh, the pastor tells a story that he sees him. This is huge football guy, Mike Singletary, middle linebacker, you know, bone-crushing strength, intimidation, uh, big man. He is now serving in their baby's ministry, right? <laughs> he said, that's my gift. And he's holding babies, changing diapers. And now uh, he has seven kids. So he says, I know how to deal with babies. I've raised seven. So he's in there every Sunday. Now all the dads are wanting to go and hang out with him like, hey, that's kind of cool. I think I would do that. Um, and they're all bringing their kids like, oh, can you hold him, you know, and can you take care of him? Uh, my Singletary changed my diaper. You know, like what a, a cool story. But here's a man who responded. Maybe God has prompted you to act in a certain way, and he has obviously gifted all of us. He has given to all of us something. You're saying, gosh, I know I should do this. I want to try this. Well, we should do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? And we should serve in this way. Thirdly, it takes courage. Now, this is the next part of this. Faithfulness requires courage because we are all afraid of rejection. Everything we do, is about acceptance or rejection. The biggest fear we have is rejection. What if they don't accept me? What if they don't want to friend me? What if they don't want to hang out with me? It's just rejection. But God's, God has accepted us. Now we take this risk because we have courage. It's interesting that the one guy, so the, the, the first two guys, the one with the five talents, the one with the two talents, they go and invest this. And then they double up their money. The third guy buries it, right? And when he buries it, uh, he comes back, and this was his response. In verse 25, uh, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I uh, reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not So um, he calls him there wicked. He calls him slothful. And the word slothful there has the connection to someone who is not taking action because of their fear. So it takes courage. We're called to be courageous people. 
And commentators tell us that burying your treasures in the ground, um, back in those days, was the safest way to keep something. You couldn't go to the, the banks didn't have a federal government that would insure it. And, you know, you don't want to hide it in your home. You might get it stolen. You would go bury it somewhere. You'd go leave your little house and you go up the hill and see the big tree there. You turn left 10 steps and you would bury it there. And you'd make some kind of a map that would remind, this is where I put that big pot of treasure. And you would bury it. It was safe. He took the safe route. And here he says, you slothful, wicked servant. You see, life is an opportunity. The gifts are given to us. And if we do nothing with this, we take no courage in this. He says, you're, you're wicked. What are we so afraid of? And he gives, it's interesting, you go back to verse 24, and he gives all these excuses. He's filled with excuses, right? He who had received the one talent came for, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So um, he's giving all these excuses that you're a harsh man, you're a tough man, you're scary. And because you're scary, I didn't want to do this. Not only that, you're a savvy businessman. You go and reap and you, you, you get harvest from all these different places and I didn't want, it, it makes no sense. He's giving a bunch of excuses. And I want to ask us, really, what is your excuse for not taking a step of faith? What is your excuse for not living out your faith? What are you so afraid of? The only thing we have to fear is God himself, ultimately. The last thing is, is uh, in faithfulness, what makes a person driven to faithfulness is the loyalty to one. Verse 26, again, Jesus tells a story, and he reminds us, but his master answered him. He's reminding the reader, he's reminding us that it was his master. So the servant's job was to do the will of the master, period. That was it. It wasn't to do as I pleased, when I felt like it, when I didn't, what my passions were, be myself. No, no, it was to now look at the master and say, master, what do you want me to do? Master said, here it is. Go invest this. Go do something with this. That was it. It didn't matter if I felt like it or not, if I had conviction or not. And today, we are so much. And I hear so much of people saying, oh, just be true to yourself. Do what you feel like. If you do what you feel like, you'll never go to school, never go to work. Oh, just be, you know, uh, you know when you feel like it. I just didn't feel God. I didn't feel. It's not about the feelings. It's about wondering, who am I living for? Now, the question that I get the, the most, and I think all pastors get this question the most, the biggest question we get is, what should I do next? What is God's will for my life? And the word God's will for my life, it's basically a disguised Christian way of saying, what's the easiest way out, right? Like, what's the most comfortable way? Like, if I go to path A, would that be a, a fun, good life? Or if I go to path B, what if it's hard? It's not really God's will, because God's will often leads us to difficult ways. But I get that often. What should I do? I remember one of our sisters years back was uh, moving for work, and she you know, said, Pastor, you know, I have these opportunities. What should I do? I was like, I don't, you know, and she's like, I have an opportunity in New York, an opportunity in California. What should I do? And I spent... 20 minutes telling her, stay in L.A. We have in and out You know, we have peace. The weather's better. 
You know, I mean, what do they have? Lakers are better. I mean, what, just stay in L.A. And then after that, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. Like, I'm like, don't come to me if you already know the question. <laughs> like, what do you want? Don't come to me and ask me if you already know what you want to do. But that is our number one question. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? doesn't really matter what you do. The number one question that is above that is, is who, do I, who am I living for? It's not the what, but it's the who. And if I could get that question correct, if I could know in my mind who I'm living for, I'm living for my creator. I'm living for the God that I believe in. It's not just lip service when I say God number one, family number two. No, it really is who I'm living for. Then all of a sudden, what I do doesn't matter. It's just how I do those things. It doesn't matter where you went to school or are going to go to school. It really doesn't. It doesn't really matter what award and what certificates you had. No, you can go to school here or in the East Coast or Northern California. It's how I do this. We're living, I feel like, and I fear that we're living in a, a situation in, in our times where it's all about the pleasure. It's all about the experience and the pleasure. And at least we want to try to, uh, you know, convey that to the public. Like, my life is filled with pleasures. You know, one day we're going to look back. One day we're going to look back. And if we see a life that's just filled with pleasure, fear, and just safe, Pleasure, safe, 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 safe. And these experiences, it's going to be a regretful life. We need to look back one day and say, boy, I, I took a step of faith, and I remember this time I grew, and I remember I gave and I sacrificed sacrificially, and I made an impact in someone's life, and I grew in my knowledge of God. And, and those things will ultimately matter when it's all said and done. How regretful was this for the, the one servant who had nothing to offer? Remember, um, this didn't take place in a week or two to double your money it would have taken decades it might be at the end of their lives in this story that they might have gotten this when they're 20 and they might be now in their 60s when their master comes back and for 40 years what did you do what did you do and this one guy says oh i just was safe my whole life didn't rock the boat didn't step out of the boat into the water i was just safe the whole time what everyone around me thought was normal, that's all I cared about, just being safe. We have to answer that question. What do I do? It has to be filtered through who am I living for? Who matters most? Your life, your body, your talents, your education, your work, all these things, it's given to God. And that is the most radical thing you can do. That is the most difficult thing you can answer to. Because the world keeps saying, live for yourself. Go do what you want. Make life good for yourself. Promote yourself. But to say as a Christian, I want to promote you, Jesus. I want to live for you, Jesus. How important that is. So, my prayer. As, as this guy had, was filled with regrets. The weeks will turn into months and years before you know it. And it'll turn into decades and it'll go by. And before we know it, our master will come and say, what have you done? Where is all the things I've given to you? What, what, what have you made of your life? And we dig it out of the dirt and say, God, I, I just played it safe, God. 
I never stepped out. I, I've never spoke up. Um, I, I've never prayed any audacious prayers. I just played it safe. I, I just wanted a little average life. A little above average would have been good. And here it is, God. What is he going to say? Worthless. Useless. Your life. We'll all get there. Our lives will be a success if we could one day look back and hear the words from God, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to challenge you to give your teen years to the Lord, your 20s to the Lord, your 30s to the Lord, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, God willing, 80s and 90s and your 100s. Give it all to the Lord. And be faithful. Let your faith not be shaken because of some life circumstance or because of the successes God has given to you. Don't change who is your master for all of your days and live for him in this way. I close with this verse in 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, if we are faithless, he, speaking of God, he remains faithful. It's interesting, Paul says after that, for he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. This is who he is. So because of who he is, he is faithful. That's his character. That's who God is. And now we're following after him. And God the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. This is now who we are. We are called to be faithful. We cannot deny the God that is living in us. We have to be faithful. It starts every day, every week, and we give ourselves in this way. I hope that we could have faithful Christians at our church, faithfully serving him in the workplace and at home and at school, being consistent, not faking it for a little bit, not shooting up real quick like a shining star and just falling, a shooting star and falling, but no, to be there constantly. That is the successful life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we uh, repent for living such a safe life. We repent, God, for assuming that all the precious things that we have are ours and not yours. And so we come to you and uh, we remember that you are faithful to us. That as we sang earlier, that it is so great. And so God, teach us that kind of faithfulness. So God, we want to give, Lord, this year to you. We want to give this whole stage, whatever we're in, high school or junior high or college or, um, you know, in our 50s or whatever it is, God, we want to give our best to you during this time. So teach us that. Bear that fruit in us, God. Help us not to hinder it with worries and fears and, and being slothful. God, help us to let it flourish. Teach us that, God. Thank you for being faithful to us. Help us to be faithful towards you. You are everything to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.